Is that okay? Yeah. You want to change it? Go okay, for it. Okay, I, I, sorry. I was control effing yeah. to see if you had the word succubus in there because if you didn't, I would cry. Okay. What? Nothing. I like it. You can also say searching. If you don't uh, want to use no, control effing as, as a verb. I say control effing. Okay. Um, I'm going to control Q after this. Okay. Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of the Teen Horror Podcast, where we watch and discuss horror movies from a teen's perspective. I'm your host, Sage, and I'm joined by my co-host and unpaid intern, my dad. Hello, everybody. Ethan here. This week, we watched Jennifer's Body. Boy, did we. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we should probably do a little bit of a content warning, Mm -hmm. I suppose. You want to start off with that? This movie features subjects like gore, death, sex, assault, high school evil, real evil, and demonic possession. It's a handful. Also, we strive to keep things clean and fairly family-friendly, but we will be taking podcasts explicit if they have any swear words in them, and we'll try to give you a heads up from now on if there's any explicit language. We won't be swearing a lot, but the movies in particular may have clips with language in them. We managed to avoid explicit language this episode, so it's clear sailing. On to the summary. Jennifer's Body is a 2009 horror film, directed by Karin Kusama and starring Megan Fox as the titular Jennifer Check, Amanda Seyfried as her best friend and the film's protagonist, Anita Needy Lesnicki, Johnny Simmons as Needy's boyfriend Chip, Adam Brody as singer Nikolai, and Kyle Gallner as teen goth Colin Gray. The film opens with our protagonist, Needy, blonde, 17, and institutionalized in a psychiatric ward. Why is she there? What did she do? Something, we're just not sure what yet. Then comes the opening line that sets the tone for the whole film. Hell is a teenage girl. We briefly tour the facility as Needy narrates. Welcome to the Mental Olympics. They're big on recreation here. Supposedly it helps us vent our aggressions. Personally, I think they're trying to wear us out. Keep us sluggish so there won't be an uprising. Well, those JV tactics won't work against me. I'm a kicker. It even says so on my chart. After a sudden violent attack on staff members, Needy is thrown into a cell and left there in solitary confinement. Just one toast him, huh? I like toastums. I'm not sure a toastum can provide sufficient energy during your day. I recommend more complex carbohydrates. Oh! 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 Alone, except for a song piped in over a speaker. A song that she clearly hates, and one we will hear again soon. Cut to two months earlier in the fictional town of Devil's Kettle, Minnesota. We are introduced to the Devil's Kettle Falls, an actual real-world site where the waterfalls really do seem to disappear into a hole in the ground. Needy, sitting in the bleachers during a school assembly, gazes adoringly at her friend Jennifer, the star of the show. Wearing a cheerleader's uniform, Jennifer smiles with toothpaste commercial brilliance at the somewhat frumpily dressed Needy. There's Jennifer. Only back then we were tight. Sisters, practically. People found it hard to believe that a babe like Jennifer would associate with a dork like me. 
Sandbox love never dies. It is soon revealed that Jennifer is the one in the driver's seat of the relationship. She doesn't ask, she commands. And Needy is no exception. Jennifer arranges for the girls to go to a performance by a band named Low Shoulder at a local dive bar that evening. You and me are going out tonight. Uh, tonight, why? Because Low Shoulder are playing at Melody Lane. They're this indie rock band from the city. I saw their MySpace page, and the lead singer's extra salty. Plus, there'll be lots of other salty morsels there for you. The band is a bunch of pretty boys with bad attitudes, creepily speculating about Jennifer's virginity. Hi, uh, hi, <laughs> Liam. Just wanted to meet you or something. I'm Jennifer Check. Hi, I'm Nikolai. This is, uh, my band. Low Shoulder. Yeah, we've heard, I've heard about you. You play your instruments really super good. That's the one. I don't know, you sure she's... Listen, I grew up in a town like this, okay? There's always that girl. They love to show it off, but they do not give it up. This girl is definitely a virgin. In the middle of their performance, the bar seems to almost spontaneously combust in fire. As the patrons are burning alive, the band saunters out and finds the girls collapsed and terrified. Jennifer. Oh, thank God, you guys are all right. I've been looking everywhere for you two. Listen, it's, uh, it's really dangerous out here. You want to head someplace safer, like my van? What? They abduct Jennifer in their van, and Needy never sees Jennifer again. At least not as the same girl she was when the evening began. Needy is shaken when Jennifer turns up later that night at her house. She's covered in blood and appears to have been assaulted and injured badly. Despite this, Jennifer gives a somewhat terrifying grin and devours a chicken from the fridge, eating it like an animal, then vomits black ooze everywhere. Something is wrong with her, but it's not clear yet what it is. Despite looking like death warmed over the night before, Jennifer shows up to school the next day looking like a million dollar Barbie. You are right. Yeah, why wouldn't I be? So last night at my house, you, you were- You have a tendency to overreact. You remember when we were in Girl Scout camp and you totally thought that there was an earthquake, but it was just two guys with a ghetto blaster? People die, Jennifer. It's like all over the news, national news. Anybody that we know? We know everyone. Shiny, pink, so and rosy-cheeked, she flounces into class like nothing happened. Needy, shocked, interrogates her. What happened? Is she okay? Jennifer brushes off Needy's concerns. Meanwhile, the town is in shock from the disastrous fire at the bar. The band that was performing, Low Shoulder, is praised for their heroic efforts pulling people from the burning building, despite Needy having clearly seen them fleeing the scene instead. Jennifer acting strangely, the town praising the efforts of a band that left everyone to die. Needy feels like the only one that knows that something is going terribly wrong. Jennifer tracks down the best friend of one of the football players that died in the bar fire. He is emotionally torn up, and after Jennifer has had her way with him, he's physically torn up as well. Hey, Jennifer. I'm crazy sorry about your profound loss. You are crying about Craig, right? He was my best friend. You know, I was there last night, and I was probably the last person to talk to him. Like ever. Wow. You, you know what he said? Craig said that he always thought you and me would make a totally 
banging couple. Isn't that so weird? He, he said banging? Feel my heart, Jonas. As they make out in the woods, she transforms into a demonic creature that feeds off his body both sexually and by literally eating him alive. The death is discovered and chalked up to some sort of serial killer. Meanwhile, that evening, Jennifer calls Needy and monologues about how great she looks and feels. Yeah. I feel so scrumptious. Goody for you. You know when you kiss a boy for the first time and it feels like your entire body is on vibrate? Yeah. It's that good. Well, that's nice. Um, me, I'm still a little bit depressed about, you know, the giant smoldering funeral pyre in the middle of town. <sighs> Moveon.org, Needy, it's over. Life is too short to be moping around. About Needy is upset about the recent deaths, and Jennifer is angry that Needy would focus on the town tragedy instead of her. Jennifer, always narcissistic, has taken self-centeredness to a whole new level. Jennifer comments on Needy's boyfriend, Chip, in a way that is both provocative and threatening. Okay. I gotta meet Chip in McCollum Park. You know, Chip is looking really cute to me lately. So tell me, is he, uh, like, packing some serious pubic inches? What's the story down there? I gotta go. Jennifer reveals to Needy that she was taken by the band as a sacrifice in part of a devil's bargain for fame, money, and success. Do you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days? There's so many of us. We're all so cute, and it's like if you don't get on Letterman or some retarded soundtrack, you're screwed. Okay? Satan is our only hope. We're in league with the beast now, and we have to make a really big impression on him. And to do that, we're going to have to butcher you. This has apparently worked out for the band, but Jennifer was supposed to have been a virgin and died that night. They killed you. I'm still here, aren't I? I mean, they did go all Benihana on my ass with that knife, and it should have killed me, but for some reason, it didn't. Maybe it did. Not being a virgin caused her to instead become possessed by a demonic entity. She hungers for the flesh of boys and now kills wantonly to sate her need. Jennifer's body count ratchets up and Needy takes manners into her own hands. After some research in the library's occult book section, she determines that Jennifer's body has been taken over by a succubus, a sexual demonic entity that is both metaphorically and literally feeding on boys. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil, not high school evil. I've been through the occult section at the library five times. A library has an occult section? Yeah, it's, um, it's really small. Uh, You have to read this. Demonic. Demonic transference. It's something that happens when you try to sacrifice a virgin to Satan without using an actual virgin. The guys in the band try to sacrifice her in the woods. It all makes sense now. Okay. She's eating boys. They like make her Prepared for a final confrontation, Needy gets ready to ambush Jennifer at the prom. Jennifer, meanwhile, is a step ahead of her and intercepts Needy's boyfriend, Chip, on his way to the dance. <gasps> Didn't you hear me calling your name? Uh, you weren't calling my name. Yes, I was. I I couldn't hear it. Listen, I need to talk to you about you-know-who. Our little needy. Seducing him and leading him astray into an abandoned swimming pool building, Jennifer is feeding on Chip as Needy puts the clues together in time to discover them at the pool building, only to see Jennifer tearing Chip's throat out. 
Heartbroken, angry, and maybe a little possessed herself, Needy hunts down Jennifer at home and kills her. Discovered by Jennifer's mother, knife in hand, Needy is put away in a psychiatric facility. We catch up to the opening scene in Solitary, and Needy reveals through voiceover that after being bitten by Jennifer, she too has some demonic power now. But sometimes change can be good. For instance, most occult scholars don't know this, but if you're bitten by a demon and you live, you just might absorb some of the demon's abilities. You just might get lucky for once in your miserable life. The film ends with her tracking down the band that sacrificed Jennifer and killing them with the same knife they used on her friend. Whew. Wow. What a ride. Yeah. So. Thanks, Diablo Cody. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Actually, we didn't. Yeah. In the summary uh, at the beginning there, we didn't say that this was written by Diablo Cody, but it was Mm -hmm. indeed written by. And I'll say it one more time because I like saying (laughs) the name. Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno. Juno, that's right. I love Juno. So there are actually um, these two movies were written around the same time. But should we should we jump into overall impressions? And, yeah, yeah. I have a lot to say about this movie. My very first impression. I just want to say this now. It's very important to me. This movie. Yeah. Ginger Snaps. Connected. Yeah. yeah. This is not like a conspiracy theory. This is like, I promise you it's real. If you watch both these movies, I promise you'll you'll see a lot of parallels. And Jennifer's body came after Ginger Snaps. I could not find... I don't think you By a good it. nine years, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was a while. It was written in 2006, um, though. Mm-hmm. So it was written about okay, six yeah. years. You know. Still, though. Like, yeah. That's a while after. And I couldn't find anything by Diablo Cody or by anyone involved in the making of Jennifer's body that mentioned anything about Ginger Snaps. So I'm not sure, but like I have a very strong belief that someone involved in this must have seen Ginger Snaps because there's a lot of plot points that both of them hit. It's very similar um, like ideas and metaphors. It's similar main characters, dynamics, you know, it's just, you know, it's like different, ver- it's different fonts of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 The same story written in a different yeah. font typeface. Yeah. Um, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> so let's talk about that now, because uh, if you haven't, uh, dear listener, if you haven't listened to episode six, um, that would be Ginger Snaps that we are talking about right now. And it's worth going back and listening to that as well. Say, do you remember, you know, I actually was like really pitching you on the idea of doing like a double feature. Yeah. And I'm glad we didn't because I think both movies stand up on their own and should be, you know, uh, tackled on their mm-hmm. own. It would have been too much in one episode. But you can really see why. It's just, yeah, that in some ways, I mean, you you could make a case that the same movie. You could. Mm-hmm. And I, I've thought about that a lot. And I think they're not. And I think there's some real differences. Yeah, yeah. Like thematic differences. Definitely. And I think you do too, right? Mm-hmm. I looked around too. I never once saw an interview or anything where either Karin Kusama or Diablo Cody mentions the word no. ginger snaps. And it's weird because, you know, they're building on this tradition of horror and there's this movie, which is like the parallels are eerie, right? Like uh, best friend, two girls, best friends, sisters and ginger snaps, best friends here, but like they're best friends and ginger snaps too. Mm-hmm. 
one is a narcissist the other one is a yeah that that part is yeah really... yeah the other one is like a you know a little bit of a doormat but finds her backbone mm-hmm. you want to list some other similarities when the main not main characters really i don't think that ginger or maybe even jennifer are the main characters but the two that undergo transformations yeah it's kind of an extension of what they were already doing like ginger was already kind of vicious and malicious (laughs) jennifer was already kind of self-centered and almost narcissistic yeah so Definitely narcissistic. It's not like they're going in different directions than they were before. It's really just an extension, I think. People die, Jennifer. It's like all over the news. Sucks to be them, I guess. This type of person, like Ginger, Jennifer, whoever, this is something that a lot of people have been through and probably struggled with. So I think I think that's cool to see it in like two different movies, how similar they are. That's the thing, too, is like, uh, you could make a case that it's not that Jennifer's body is a ripoff of Ginger Snaps or a remake of it or anything mm-hmm. like that. Although I, I do think they're like, there must have been inspiration. Yeah, yeah. This is a, you know, we wouldn't necessarily even be discussing this, I think, if it was a movie about boys. No, no. Because boys' stories are considered universal stories, right? Whereas when we see commonalities between two movies with girls in them, we think, oh, that's a copy of that. Because that that story about girls has already been done once. Exactly. So you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Right? Exactly. But it's a really, you know, dynamics in girl friendships is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can probably talk more about this than me (laughs) since you are 18 girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That also is another thing I wanted to talk about is in this movie, Jennifer's Body, the relationships and interactions between the characters, specifically the teens, they feel very genuine, you know? It's very, okay, I do not go to a small high school. Let me preface this with that. Um, My school's like, it's like a big public high school in Seattle. So in Jennifer's body, the interactions between friends, they feel very high school. Yeah. Hey, Nene. Oh, hi, Colin. I heard you were there last night in the fiery trenches. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't die. Thanks. Seriously. How are you friends with Colin Gray? I thought Colin Gray only talked to the dead girls. I just am. We have creative nonfiction together. He's a really good writer. Sometimes it's a hard feeling to capture, especially by adults who are making the movie. So I think, I feel like um, Diablo Cody must have had some experiences like that as well. We should do a deep dive on Diablo Cody's backstory. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where she grew up. (laughs) Um, I know Karin Kusama grew up in the Midwest. Mm, yeah i don't know how big her town was that she grew up in karen kusama's parents by the way psychiatrists oh that's interesting yeah Hmm. there's this one scene with so needy is with jennifer yeah and colin gray the like the little emo guy he he comes up to (laughs) love that character i know he's great um he comes up to jennifer and he asks her out and just that whole interaction feels very genuine hello needy Jennifer. Hi, Colin. Can I borrow your English homework again? I actually wanted to uh, to ask you something. You want to know if I'll go out with you? No. <laughs> yeah. What? I. I don't. How did you? How'd you Just know? go ahead with the pitch. I know what it's like to be in Needy's position. She says like not a single word. I'm pretty sure 
like while Colin is asking Jennifer out, she's just kind of there observing and she's still definitely part of like the interaction in some weird way. Right. I definitely know what it's like to be the to be someone's side character, right? Totally. Sage, that scene <laughs> there's so much going on there. Yeah, he's he's very excited and at first she does reject him. I don't know. She at first she gives some excuse or something and then she kind of stops and thinks about it. Like you can kind of see her, yeah. see the gears in her head turning. And then she runs and catches up with him. He's, She's like, hey, I got this new movie. I'll text you my address. Right. Come over tonight. And he he looks overjoyed <laughs> um, at the proposition. And yeah, she almost like reflex, reflexively, like just out of <laughs> habit from years and years of rejecting boys, rejects him out of hand. Yeah, yeah. And then and, the animal in her like takes over as like, no. Yeah, we can (laughs) we can consume this man exactly because she's like hungry and but after she rejects him at first, needy looks at her and is like, "Well, that was weird." And I just I've never related more to someone in my life. Like, kind of still sometimes I am the observer, right? And then I turn and I'm the commentator, right? I'm like, "Well, that was weird. That was funny. Can we go to class now?" You know, like (laughs) I don't know. I just I feel like I am always the one outside watching interesting things happen. The good news is though, you get to be a writer or creative person later in life. (laughs) Exactly. I'm the next Diablo Cody. (laughs) I was kind of, I was, because I think this movie is a great kind of allegory. Um, I was trying to think about what, like it is an allegory for and i think like ginger snaps it is multiple things about the like hunger cycle i think that's what needy calls it at one point i feel like it's sort of when girls kind of feel like the only way they are meaningful or like are worth something is if they are worth something to a boy and it's like when jennifer eats a boy (laughs) um literally she gets all like like confident and healthy and glowing yeah and then she goes a while without having eaten a boy and she gets kind of miserable and she's like she thinks she's ugly no offense but you look really tired is everything okay no i feel like boo-boo my skin is breaking out and my hair is dull and lifeless it's like I'm one of the normal girls. Are you PMSing or something? PMS isn't real, Needy. It was invented by the boy-run media to make us seem crazy. Don't look at me like that. It's just wearing off or something. What? She's really not that ugly, but, you know, just for her. Right, yeah, at one point yeah. they, they have that great line, right? Yeah. Like, Needy says, yeah, if she hasn't eaten, then she gets ugly, ugly for her. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I thought that was kind of yeah. I like that, that, Sage. I think that's really spot on, right? Like she's constantly she constantly needs that validation, that external validation. Yeah, which in this case is both <laughs> validation and consumption. Yeah, but you know that is a really big issue that a lot of girls struggle with, especially like younger and younger, because of I think. I know I sound like kind of old, but like it's because of the internet. I feel like it's okay um, to feel old, too. <laughs> it's been a rough couple of years. Uh, yeah, I think the internet is really it's like feeding into the 
idea like girls are being told like you are you are your looks yeah and i think the title of this movie is really great because i'd heard the title of the movie thrown around you know even before i saw it or even really knew what the plot was and i was like oh jennifer must be dead in the movie or died at some point because it's called jennifer's body right but no she's alive for almost the whole movie yeah and it's because her body is what's being used her surface her body like in other words not her soul not her personality no, not no. her mind nothing like that's all that matters mm-hmm. about her yeah right? she's been reduced to that yeah. like literally reduced and she she gets reduced to that by the band by exactly. a bunch of boys exactly right they so this is a rough it's a really rough scene i think it is it is um can, it, can we lay out sort of what's going on maybe start with the the performance yeah so um how they get there and what they what's going on jennifer comes over to needy's house right and needy and chip are hanging out it's in the evening yeah it's in the evening and so jennifer tells needy that so this is the evening after the like first scene at school yeah and at school jennifer tells needy that they're going to this bar to watch this band and he tells her oh no i was gonna hang out with chip and she's like too bad wear something cute <laughs> yeah it's and, not even up for discussion I know, yeah no right and so jennifer comes over to her house and, and jennifer's still herself at this point yeah yeah still herself and there's this great scene which apparently was thought up by the actors by amanda and megan where they're kind of like joking and like play fighting sort of and one of them pushes the other and then they keep kind of pushing each other sort of playfully but then jennifer kind of starts pushing needy harder and harder until eventually she kind of she slams her against the door very forcefully and needy's face kind of drops you're gross you're gross <laughs> you're gross <laughs> you're so gross <laughs> let's go to the club yeah and it's like oh yeah no this is this is a familiar thing for her and then with like without missing a beat jennifer walks out the door and she's like let's go and he's like, okay. It's so great. It's a really I was great- I was surprised when I found out that the actors came up with that. I know. It's great, though. it Because it really establishes the dynamic of the relationship in just a few seconds. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely know what that feels like. Yeah. Playful, <laughs> dominant. You can see, like, they're having fun with each other. And then Jennifer has to put Needy yeah. in her place somehow. In a split just a little, Just yeah. in a little way. Like, a little subtle way. And, you know, Needy can't really say anything. Because... What is Jennifer going to say about it? Oh, it was just a joke. Like, we do that all the time, you know? Yeah. Can't you take a joke? Yeah. Which is is... very boy language, isn't it? That's the thing that girls hear all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Can't you take a joke? Yeah. It's it's an awful excuse for, like, awful behavior. So, But then they get into Jennifer's car, and they drive to the bar, and Jennifer is approached by, like, two different boys. Yeah. I think... Yeah, yeah, she is. And she rejects one of them. And then the other one is like this guy who's training to be a police officer, I think. He's played by Chris Pratt, actually. Yeah. Uh, but he's like twenty one. Definitely shouldn't be around Jennifer. Yeah. Um training to be a police officer. I think But they're he, sleeping together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Jennifer isn't a virgin. So they see this band, right? That's gonna perform at this bar, and their name is Low Shoulder. And it's it's like gerard way it's like you know like my chemical romance <laughs> but yeah the, the music is kind of like emo pretty, indie pop 
Yeah, even yep. Wendy Pop. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Um, so they start performing, right? They start playing. But okay, actually, before they start playing, shout out to the band though. Legit, they sound. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a catchy. It's a catchy okay. song. Yeah, I like the band. I'm sorry, I yeah. have to say it. Yeah, <laughs> and great name too. Yeah, I love bands with weird, obscure names. Yeah, no, yeah, we like <laughs> it. They 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 nailed that vibe really mm-hmm. well. Yeah, they really did. Yeah, before the band, Jennifer comes up to the lead singer and kind of does this doe-eyed act almost. Yeah, I wonder. I think I feel like that's the least acting that Jennifer, yeah. no, really, uh, Megan, but I mean Jennifer. Yeah, that that like the that's that's character. the most sincere moment for her, where she's almost like a little teen girl. Yeah. You know, because yeah. she comes off as this like worldly woman, you know, sleeping with these guys, casting boys aside like Kleenex. But when she's talking to the band members, she's like infatuated. Yeah. Infatuated is the word. <laughs> like, you know, she's she's almost hypnotized and she's almost hypnotized. <laughs> I've been hit hypnotized <laughs> before. <laughs> um, um, yeah. And I feel like that's almost the start of the band's hold on Jennifer. Yeah. She... Like she really, she was really determined to go see them that night. They kind of exchange back and forth, and he gets kind of like weird with her. Which honestly, I feel like at this point, it's the lead singer's response. It like it doesn't really matter that Jennifer approached him first. She's a child, and he's an adult. Yep. And he should know not to like humor her in whatever she's doing, right? But he does, which is kind of the start of it all yeah and Car- you know karen kasama at one point in the commentary she was like uh later on is talking about him this character but she's like this is again commentary on like man why <laughs> do we fall for jerks yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i remember that part <laughs> yeah yeah so um jennifer offers to go get some of the band members drinks yeah and while she's gone um needy is playing this little like Pinball. Pinball machine. Yeah. yeah. And she It's a over- game from the past. I right. Know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A relic, perhaps. <laughs> a relic, yeah. Before we had the internet. <laughs> um, so she overhears the band members discussing Jennifer's virginity, which we mentioned at the summary. They're like, do you think she's a virgin? And one of them is like, yeah, man, there's one in every town. They they always like they talk big, but they're really virgins. Yeah, they're afraid to give and of course it up. They're, again, this is great too because they're totally wrong. Yeah, no, they're completely wrong, and they think they know everything about her. They think they know everything there is to know, but right. they don't. And and Amanda's character Needy thinks mm-hmm. they want her to be a virgin yeah, to exactly. sleep with her, but that's not why they want her to be a virgin. They want her to be a virgin to die. Yeah, it's really it's really sad actually. Yeah. Um, from both lenses, yeah. right? Because, you know, it really, this is a very, this part is a very strong allegory for, like, rape, basically. Yeah, yeah. So this is, there's a fire, fire breaks out during the song, mm-hmm. right? Jennifer looks hypnotized. And I, they never talk about this in the commentary. I never saw Diablo Cody or Karin Kazama talk about this at all. But I really felt like they're casting a spell on her at that moment. Yeah, right? somehow. Yeah, some like like they they're into <laughs> they, witchcraft. They we find out her. later they on. They already got her. Yeah, they got her. and she just is looking at them. And she her she's like slack jawed. She yeah. doesn't move. She doesn't look at the fire. Everyone people are dying. There is the like, sound editing. Like oh everything gets really the sound gets really damped down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and muted.
people are like being burned alive. The the how, the bar is crumbling around them, and Needy has to pull Jennifer out. Through the this. band looks gleeful while yeah, this is happening. Oh, by God. the way, they're like, "Yes, this is it's happening." Yeah, basically, yeah. right? So Jennifer, or not Jennifer, Needy has to pull Jennifer through this little window in the bathroom to escape, and they're sitting out in like the grassy area outside the bar, and Needy's trying to get Jennifer to say something or do something or like anything yeah and the lead singer nikolai he comes up to them holding a glass of like whiskey yeah and he's like he's so casual and nonchalant and it's it's really infuriating and you can see it on needy's face she's like what are you doing and he's like girls i think we need to go somewhere safe and familiar and right now that is my van his <laughs> his like white unmarked van yes <laughs> is, I don't know. It's, is it white and unmarked? I feel like it was like like I don't know, wood paneled or something. Was, oh, maybe. I don't know, but oh regardless, God. like it is the least safe and familiar yeah, place yeah. for oh. Jennifer and Needy at this point. Yeah, and Jennifer is <clears throat> so she's dazed. She's really out of yeah. it, and she's like, "Yeah, okay." And there's this part where Nikolai makes Jennifer drink his, yes, his whiskey, and it's he gross. he holds it to her mouth. And she takes it and she like she's drinking and he kind of pushes pushes her hand yeah. and tilts the glass up into her mouth. And it's just a little motion, but it really shows that he has no he has like no concern for her well. And again, all. like it's all of this is like real world behavior that guys. It is, do, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so she gets in the van and needy And this dear listener is how the father warned his daughter about how terrible men are. <laughs> I know already. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Um, so she gets to the van, and there's this really kind of haunting shot of Jennifer's face looking at Needy right before oh, the van door is closed. That is and such she a just, gutting moment. She looks scared. Yeah. It's like at that moment, she kind of wakes up and she's like, What she's am I doing here? Right up until that moment, she's angry. She's like, Leave me alone, Needy. I know what I want. You know? Yeah. You know, spoiled, angry, you know, imperious then it just all falls away and yeah. you just see she is a terrified little you know teen girl and she's alone yeah and she's being abducted yeah she's like not even kind of or like in a way she is being abducted and so we basically that's it they drive away with her and mm-hmm. we don't see the rest of that scene play out until midway much, through the yeah, movie much later. um but we can say what happens which is yeah they take her and kill her. They take her to Devil's Kettle Waterfall. Yeah. Which, I don't know if we mentioned this in the summary, but basically the whole little gimmick of it is that the water that goes down into the waterfall, no one knows where it comes back out. Scientists have tried to track it, and they don't know where the water ends up, right? So basically anything that goes into it is kind of lost forever. So it's full night now, only moonlight, and they take her and they like tie her down with her like her limbs like splayed out i think and they totally vulnerable i know they they gag her they put like something over her mouth and nikolai is talking about how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days do you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days there's so many of us we're all so cute and it's like if you don't get on letterman or some retarded soundtrack you're screwed okay satan is our only hope we're in league with the beast now and we have to make a really big impression on him and to do that 
We're going to have to butcher you. He has this sheet and he has this knife and he's reading from the sheet and he is holding up the knife. And some of the other band members are like, are we really going to go through with this? And he's like, yes, like, obviously, you know, he's so determined about yeah. it. And, and callous. he's callous, too. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like he forgets her name at one point. Um, mm-hmm. He's constantly getting the name of the town wrong. Like, he just yeah. doesn't care he doesn't about care anything all. other than himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the this like casual, callous disregard for her as a person. Uh, again, it's like it. this is like, well, this behavior does not look unusual. Mm, right. This yeah. is how <laughs> certain guys are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we see all of this, like the worst behavior from guys kind yeah. of reflected in the band, which is interesting, though, because a lot of the other guys in the movie are written really sympathetically. Mm-hmm. Even like the guys that she kills, you know, you don't, yeah. you, you don't wish ill on any of them. No, um, no. The guys in the bar that perish in flames, like the, the football player that she kind of mm-hmm. brushes past, like he's, he's nice to her. He's like, you look really pretty, Jennifer. He doesn't come off as creepy or anything. He just comes off as kind of a sweet guy. Yeah. He's trying, you know, yeah. he's trying. Yeah. And, all of the all of the boys that she kills, I think there's three or no, there's four in total. Um, it's so chronologically, the first one that she kills is this guy. He is only referred to. I don't. Do they say his name? Maybe they say his name. I but think I want to say it's Ahmed from India. Yes. Right. Ahmed from India. He's like the foreign exchange student. Yeah. And so and they she, intentionally never know, give him yeah. a last name because they. She's trying to, I think Diablo Cody was also playing with the way that we dehumanize yeah. people who are it's like the, the guy foreign. from India. Yeah. You know? So she, so Jennifer, after being brutally stabbed with yeah. um, the knife by Nikolai, and then he, so notably he throws the knife into Devil's Kettle, into the waterfall, and Little Whirlpool washes it down. Gone forever, we gone think. Gone forever until sometime later but so she they think she's dead right and yeah. the band gets in their van and drives off um so the band gets in their van and drives and drives off and jennifer somehow wakes up and she is now a succubus yep and she's stumbling home on the road on the side of the road and she sees ahmed from india on the other side of the road and she asks him she's like does anyone know you're alive? Anyone at all? And he says, no. And she, she grabs him by the wrist and she kind of takes him into the woods by the side of the road. And he's like, she's like, we'll get this all sorted out. Okay. <laughs> like, I love it. It's, it's take, honestly a hilarious. There's some really funny moments. Yeah, like, well, Don't worry. Come with me. Like for some reason. And he just goes with her. I mean, I, yeah. he, he it, like you kind of <laughs> understand where he's coming from too. Like, where his brain is at, at that point like he's just seen people die he's in this in horrible shock, fire think, yeah. he's he is alone he's in a foreign country and there's this beautiful girl <laughs> telling him we're gonna sort this out you're gonna be okay come with me you might follow her yeah. into the woods who knows who knows maybe she's got a shack i don't know <laughs> a little shack in the woods there's a telephone booth in the woods yeah, no, yeah exactly. that's that's the end of ahmed so so she kills him she like you we know, don't so, see it but yeah, we, we, know, we yeah. never see that we assume that she feeds on him because yeah. she feels like a million bucks after that's yeah. actually after she goes to visit needy though really yep because 
I'm pretty, pretty sure it is because what happens is, um, at one point, you know, uh, okay. She's driven off in the van. The very next scene is in the movie, not chronologically, but in the movie we see needy is at home. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Jennifer shows up. She has clearly been assaulted. It's actually really horrible. It is. Look, yeah. It's, it's really, really rough. And, you know, boy, just content warning for people that are maybe have, you know, sensitivity to that type of subject. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I was watching that and I was like, oh, that's that's horrible. It's like, what see. has happened to her? Yeah. And the thing you feel horrible to see I know, her. I know. And then and then she smiles. She's oh that part Jennifer is so smiles. creepy. I don't think there's any like special effects in her smile. I She's agree. just smiling with her teeth, and oh boy, Megan Fox does not get enough credit for this role. I know it's she, really great. So many, you know, it's really interesting that she doesn't get enough credit for this role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly, yeah. it's because she's so beautiful. Yeah, you know, she's. It's like a glamour, you know, it's like a spell cast over the audience when they're watching in a way. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to see past that beauty. Yeah. Because there's an amazing performance going on mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. there in front of you. And you almost miss it because you're constantly distracted by how beautiful yeah. she is. But that is kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah. You know? that, that's the point is like you're kind of it's supposed to extend beyond the movie and kind of into the audience yeah. of the real world. You're just watching her body. And yeah. you need to be watching her performance, which is like <laughs> amazing. So yeah, there's some amazing parts that yeah, her the way that she is with needy, um, her callousness, her casual cruelty, the way that she kind of switches between this like very predatory mode and this very sweet mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, that part. Um, so she's in needy's house. Needy's alone except for her, and she does her vicious little smile, which is really terrifying covered in blood yeah yeah and um she says not a word this whole time she kind of does her little catwalk over to the the um the fridge yeah and she opens it kind of like goes through it is like throwing stuff chucking stuff behind her shoulder you know and she finds this like rotisserie chicken she tears it open she tears the packaging open and she just starts ripping it apart and she's like kneeling on the floor now, kind of like an animal, you know? Yeah. And she's stuffing it in her mouth and Needy, bless her heart, she like, <laughs> she kneels down in front of her. She's like, um, my mom got that at World Market. It's great. You can't, you're not supposed to eat that. Um, my mom got that at Boston Market and um, I'm, I'm not supposed to <laughs> And Jennifer, you know, Jennifer is bloody, bruised. She's been stabbed. She's yeah. she has a wild look about her eyes. She's tearing a chicken apart. And Needy's like, oh, my mom bought that. At That's such a kid thing to say. I know. You know? It's really, it's really kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the mom, by the way, played by Amy Sedaris. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You really don't get very much of her. I, I love her character. Though. She's great. Um, the story I heard. And maybe it was from the commentary. I don't know, but it was that every time that she would give a line reading, she would do it slightly differently or radically differently and just yeah. toss in random stuff, yeah. which is great. Like you just love that from being yeah. able to yeah. like use different material as a director. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Apparently, it was a nightmare for the script supervisor. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, mom. I didn't know you were up. Yeah. I had another one of my night terrors. I dreamed some bad people were trying to nail you to a tree, just like J.C. 
I can take care of myself. No, you say that. But one day you're going to be crying out for me and I'm like, I'll be there. She, yeah, she makes that little comment about, you know, my mom bought that chicken. But that, see, that's the moment that later on we find out that there was a little bit of inner conflict for Jennifer, right? Because mm-hmm. Jennifer says, I wanted to eat you, but I'm a really good friend. So yes. that's why she had the chicken. And later on, she's recounting what happens next. And that's when she leaves and goes to find, and she finds oh, Ahmed. She yeah, just right, runs right. into him. Mm-hmm. I also, I want to talk about how the film was marketed yes. um, when it came out, which I am, I was not there for personally, but I am <laughs> furious about it. Um, they marketed it. You were, you were around. Yeah, you're just yeah, very young. I was maybe not quite old no. enough. Um, you had other interests yeah, at the time. Yeah. So they market it exactly the way that the film is kind of like making, like poking fun at, you know? It's like yeah. the way they market it is like, oh, look at Jennifer's body. Yes. Look at Jennifer's body. Yeah, it, it the, the, the trailers um some of the marketing material like it's all obviously just like let's get teen boys to go see this film because they want to look at megan fox yeah like the one of the the trailer that you sent me um the very first shot is the shot where she's supposed to be like naked swimming in a lake and then there's like a bunch of shots of her kissing boys Mm -hmm. and even one of her kissing needy at one point which does happen in the movie and you know it's like that is not the film. That's yeah, not the really film. Really not. Boy, you could have cut that trailer so like, many other it's ways. It's practically at that point not even a horror movie. Yeah. Like Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like a teen sex movie. Yeah. Right? Like, that come on. Um I was yeah. really disappointed. When I you know, I was thinking about this movie. I appreciate this movie a lot more mm-hmm. on the second and third viewing. <laughs> I realize now it is because this is also the first time I've seen this movie since when I saw it last, I mean, you were, you were pretty young, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was not watching this movie from a girl's perspective. Let's put it like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that this movie was made for girls. And I think this movie was made from a woman's perspective. And I think you have to go into this movie as a, as a guy, I think you have to go in ready to watch it from a girl's perspective. Yeah. And I think it was marketed to boys from a boy's perspective yeah. and they walked in and they didn't see that movie and it didn't do well. Yeah. I mean, it, really didn't it, do it well. was profitable, but it didn't do well at the box mm-hmm. office because of that. Yeah. This movie is not made for boys. I would say like there definitely are parts where maybe they're thinking about that, but overall I really think that it should be primarily for like girls to be able to be like represented in, I guess. Yeah. Like, because you i see myself a lot in needy um you know i i mean kind of the way i see myself a lot in bridget and i really like that and i like that it shows real authentic um like relationships between characters and especially chip i really like the character of chip because he's very i don't he's he's um caring like he cares and he's really nice to needy and i like that the movie is not all bad relationships you know yeah like there's some good ones too 
All right. Should we do you want to jump into what we would change? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this might be the first time I've had like a real concrete scene that I would change. Yeah. Um, and it is the research montage. <laughs> research montage. <laughs> I love a good montage. I live for them. Truly, I will like rewind. I rewound the Jennifer's body montage maybe like three times to yeah. <laughs> to watch her. The the research montage. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. Great. Um, because I, what I wish was different is I wish the montage was more detailed Mm -hmm. it was longer and it explained more of what was going on about the like the mechanics of being a succubus yeah because in ginger snaps um there's also a research montage another parallel um and bridget kind of finds these possible solutions to ginger's problem right her her, her little problem you know of being a werewolf um (laughs) But yeah, so she finds like a, kind of a list of things and then she goes to find them and it's like, it's very um, concrete, you know. Yep. But in Jennifer's body, it's more of like the purpose of that scene, I think, is just to establish that she's an evil succubus and nothing beyond that. Right. It's just to really now it's just like, uh, okay, she's got to die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, you're totally right. It's just to give Needy the rationale why is Needy going to go kill this woman now? Mm-hmm. Right? She's going to go kill her because she's not really a person anymore. She's a succubus. Yeah. Although I think actually whether or not she's a person is maybe up for debate. It too. is definitely, Even in the, definitely. Not just on a metatextual level or metacon, you know, like <laughs> yeah, where yeah, we're yeah. talking about like, oh, well, Jennifer's just become who she ultimately, you know, was going to become mm-hmm. anyhow. Um, but there's a lot of moments where she kind of shows some glimmer yeah. of humanity still, yeah. right? Like there's definitely still someone inside her. Someone yeah. else. I think... That is one of the differences of Jennifer's body and Ginger Snaps is that in Ginger Snaps, Bridget is still clinging on to Ginger, you know? Yeah, even, right up no, until yeah, the end. Even after Ginger is a wolf and Bridget is still, you know, there with the antidote in hand. So this is one of the big differences in, I think, the ending of the films is that in Ginger Snaps, Bridget lets Ginger die. In Jennifer's body, Needy kills Jennifer. Yeah, big difference. You're right. And it's kind of like passive versus active. Yeah. Both achieve the same effect, like, right? They both die. It's a choice it that is, she it does is definitely make. She's like, she I'm now like letting you die. very literal. Yeah. Like, she has the antidote in one hand and the knife in the other. But it's still a very touching moment because both possibilities are still open, you know? Yeah. Right up until the very end. And you're conflict. Like you said earlier, you're conflicted, you know? Right. You don't really know whether you want Ginger to live or die. In Jennifer's body, it's like, okay, kill Jennifer. And I love that scene where Needy kills her. It's really great. And the locket really ties it all together. Like mm-hmm. when um when Needy tears off the lock the lock the best friend forever, forever locket that yeah. Jennifer is wearing. That part really, really I relate to because um I do have quite a few of those. <laughs> yeah. And the whereabouts of the other halves I don't want to think about. Sure. That's a real um, teen girl experience, right? A real mm-hmm. tween yeah, teen I, girl. Yeah. Um, so when she like ripped it off Jennifer's neck and tossed it on the ground, I really, I was very proud of her. And that's when Jennifer falls, right? Like, because at that moment she's floating in the air because she's a succubus, right? Yeah. And Jennifer falls when the locket is torn off her neck and Needy is above her and she looks furious and she's like holding the exacto knife. Wow. And she 
You know, that's really interesting. I, I mean, intentional or not, it's pretty powerful that yeah. Jennifer kind of loses power in that scene and know, falls yeah. when the necklace is torn off. Exactly. You know, it's it's that it's like that attention, right? It's like, yeah. it, you know, without that constant validation, she's nothing. She loses, yeah. you know. And what's important is that that necklace is worn by both of them throughout the whole film even as jennifer is kind of i would say growing more distant from needy and like um kind of becoming more and more of this like evil demon she's still wearing that necklace and at that point it's not a symbol of friendship anymore at all it's a symbol of like possession kind of like she needy is hers yep and needy stops being hers when she stops wearing. That's really interesting too. It is a it is a movie about possession on two levels. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you're blowing my mind tonight. <laughs> it's cool. Um, I want to shout out to uh, something else in the film, just like uh, set decoration. Oh yeah, great, oh yeah. Great, small things here and there, but there's a lot of framed pictures in the movie that you see. Mm-hmm. There's pictures, you know, Chip's got pictures. I love Chip. He's room. got a, like a, a screensaver of needy. That's so funny. Needy has pictures of chip. Jennifer only has pictures, pictures of herself. herself. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. There's a scene with her getting ready for prom. And like in case you weren't certain, yeah, no. in case you were missing the point. Yeah. I also want to shout out the the death scene of Chip in the That's a great house. scene. It's great. Yeah. It is so beautifully shot. I the love that director scene. Director of photography gets a round of applause <laughs> because it just it's like watching a painting come to life. That whole yeah. scene. There's like all this vegetation. And oh, and right before that scene when Needy is like trying to find Jennifer and Chip. Yes. She's running up this hill and it is like something out of like the cover of a gothic novel. Yeah. With yeah. this like Needy running <laughs> up towards this like dark shadowy house on a hill. It's yeah, and so her like cool. her pink prom just billowing yeah. up behind her. It's Beautiful. great. It's really so great. gothic. I love it. What it kind of reminds me of is how the look of that scene is kind of this old um, special effects technique where they would paint part of the oh, matte scene. Painting. Matte painting. Matte painting. painting. Yeah, it right. reminds me of matte painting and the the building kind of looks like that. And it's, yeah. it's really beautiful. Like they did that in Alien, I think. Yeah, I think it was actually filmed on location, but it does look kind of like a matte I painting. Like, I like and it a lot, beautiful. honestly. Yeah. Um, it has a very kind of like 1950s horror film look yeah, to it. Yeah. David Mullen was the director of photography. Mm, good yeah. job, good job. Apparently, originally in the script, that whole pool scene was supposed to be outside, yeah. but it was, it was just too cold. It was too cold. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's freezing outside. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's all inside and they found this. I think it, I think the pool is privately owned and it was completely pristine. It was all clean and they had to kind of make it look old and decrepit. Grind it up, yeah. And it it's great. There are vines everywhere. It's like grimy. The water is gross. Yeah. Apparently... They spent three days filming that scene in the pool. Uh-huh. And at first, the pool water obviously was clean. It just looked dirty. But by day three, it really was dirty. Like, they, <laughs> they hadn't changed it at all. It was just, it was actually gross. Nasty. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, there are a lot of cool behind-the-scenes um, little clips that I saw in that scene. Because, you know, despite it being gross, all of the characters and the actors are having so much fun. Yeah. And like Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried and Johnny Simmons, like, you know, they're all like having fun in the pool. (laughs) 
Wow. You know, I have to say, I think that I have really come to a new appreciation <laughs> about how important these types of films are. Yeah. Just watching you and like listening, watching you watch the movie, <laughs> listening to you think about the movie and really hearing how you, you resonate with these characters mm-hmm. like needy. I see how important these films are. And I, all I can say is we need more of them. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Karin Kusama. Thank you. So Thank you, Diablo Cody. Yeah, they're important. Mm-hmm. They're important for girls yeah, to have these definitely. films. I'm really glad that I was able to watch this movie and appreciate it. And I hope that after listening to this, you all are able to appreciate it too. <laughs> While we're at it, we might be cooking up some merch. So if you have any suggestions or ideas on what we should do or what you'd like to see, you can give us a follow at Teen Horrorcast on Instagram and Twitter. And just tell us what you'd like to see. Yeah, if you folks have any ideas, just let us know. Um, we're, I don't know, we were just goofing around with that idea. We think it might be fun. Mostly because <laughs> yeah. I want to wear a t-shirt. Me too. <laughs> you know, or a hat too. or something. Please. Um, and uh, yeah. What else? Um, talk to us on social media. Please, um, please, please. Let us know what movies you want to watch or want us to watch. We're yeah. thinking we, we have we some in the do, queue. Yeah, we do semi-regular polls on our Twitter for sometimes you guys get to choose which movie we do next. So if you want to have a say in that, you can go check it out. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Everything about this podcast is semi-regular. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of our, our MO. <laughs> um, but we're good with that. Alrighty. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I hope you guys have as much fun listening as we have recording. Yeah, and we look forward to talking with you again next episode on Teen Horrorcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye for now. Ooh, spooky noise outro. You're, you know, I'm just first pass. I'm just the intern. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. (laughs) This is why you're not paid. (laughs) I'm kidding. I expect better work from you next time. (laughs) Read my mind. Yeah. Wait, I'm trying.